you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. What is up, Compassion Church? I'm naturally loud, so I got to get used to holding the mic. Uh, I'm a teacher and a coach, so I'm usually screaming and yelling all the time. So kind of like Stephen was saying, um, a couple of days ago, I was in my car and I was like, good evening, good evening. It, It just didn't sound right. I don't know. I like to think I have a man's voice, so I'm not sure. Maybe I just want it to sound cool. Um, But my name is Shavaz Jackson. I'm excited and honored to be able to speak to you guys today. Immediately when Pastor John introduced the God Lies sermon series, I was like, wow. I knew that this word, the information that he was going to bring is extremely, extremely important to us. Um, If you haven't been here, if you just need a refresher, the God Lies sermon series isn't stating that God tells lies. It's talking about how we as people, we tell God-based or God-inspired lies, maybe to others, maybe to even ourselves, right? So we take bits and pieces of scripture and we tell half-truths, or we take quotes and we quote them as if they were scripture and they're not even in the Bible. So I'm at home, you know, and I'm praying, seeking God, asking him, God, lay on my heart what it is that you want me to speak on. And real quick, funny story. So my girlfriend Bailey and I were driving I'm not sure where we were. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure we were on Lawrence, right? And she wants to buy something. Shocker, right? She wants to buy something. Um, and we're driving, so we're driving down Lawrence, and she goes on to say, well, God showed me a sign. Hmm? Hmm? So I'm looking at her, and I'm like, woman, no, you did not. No, you did not just use God to try to purchase something. And so she's laughing, and she points up to a billboard, and she's like, no, God literally showed me a sign. And whatever it was she wanted to buy was actually on the billboard. And I was like, wow, wow. Um, I wouldn't put anything past her, though, because she's an OU fan. Do, wait, do I have any OU fans in here? No. Let, let's skip to the altar call. No, nah, I'm just kidding, just kidding. But to get to the point, right, so I'm in my room and I'm praying and I'm asking God, like, God, what is it that you want me to speak on? And I felt as if he laid on my heart to talk about the signs that he didn't show us. So first, I'm in my room and I'm feeling convicted, first off. And second, I'm like, sheesh, this sermon's about to be fire, right? And then a few days pass and it turns out that that word was just for me. And I've been planning and preparing, and if you don't know me, I'm a plan and preparing fanatic, right? So I'm planning, I got the scriptures, I'm like, ooh, and God said, no, that's just for you. There's There's some things that I've been showing you that you haven't been listening to, and there were some things that I haven't showed you, and you were pretending that that was for me, and it wasn't. So I'm like, God, not like this, right? Not like this. And then I felt as if he laid on my heart to talk about Probably a top three most used God lie. Top three most used. But before we get into that, if you bow your head, I just want to pray right quick. 
So King Jesus, I thank you for this day, Lord God. I thank you for all your many blessings. I thank you for allowing us to see another day that wasn't even promised to us. I just ask that you touch our hearts, God. I ask that it not be my words, but it be your words. I just thank you for this opportunity, and I just ask that your spirit just spread out and just touch our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So, like I was saying, I felt as if he laid on my heart probably a top three most used God lie. And this God lie is only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. Now, first off, this is a Tupac statement that we quote as scripture, right? Now, is there some truth in it? Absolutely, right? But it's not that God can judge us. It's that God will judge us. It is true. God is the only one that can sentence us. But a lot of the time, I think we have this negative connotation around the word judgment. I know me personally, if I hear, oh, she's judging, you know, all this, I automatically associate it with something bad or something negative. But the truth is, okay, the Greek word for judgment it's krima. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. K-R-I-M-A, if you want to do your own research. And the base of that means decisions. So God is going to judge. God is going to make decisions about my life, right? And so God is laying this on my heart, and I'm like, judgment, God, not this, please, not this, right? Because a lot of times, talking about judgment, that conversation isn't always pleasant, right? But I know if we have a reverence-based fear that we can approach it with confidence, and I'm a teacher, like I told you, so what comes to my mind are students who come into the final exam, and they haven't prepared, and you can tell they're scared, right, when they're sitting in the seat and they hand them the test. But you can tell the difference. The students know what the teacher has asked of them, and they, they were diligent in their studies, and they prepared themselves. They come in with some confidence, and I feel like it's the same way in the spirit. And scripture talks about judgment quite a bit. That tells us that it's significant. That tells us that it's important, Right? And then as I'm, as I'm talking and asking God and looking through the scriptures, just how important was it? I don't think that I fully understood. So I want to go to the scripture, my handy-dandy notebook paper. Why I didn't type my scriptures on here? Because I'm bougie, but not too bougie, all right? <laughs> so Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. We'll come back to that. Faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, talking about baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Let me read that again. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. It says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead, and eternal judgment. Right, so the first line starts out with what? Therefore, let us leave this elementary teaching. Starts off with talking about repentance from dead works and ends talking about eternal judgment. So whenever, maybe it's, I'm a teacher, so it hit me harder, but I'm reading this first line and it says, let us leave this elementary teaching. So I was thinking about it in terms of our society and in terms of our education system, right? What, it, what comes to mind when we think about 
the elementary system, right? My students, I'm a middle school teacher, they call it baby work a lot of the time, right? These are the basic principles, the basics, reading, writing, addition, these things that you can't advance academically if you don't have this. And just think, God says, let us leave the elementary teachings. He's leaving this. So he's telling us if we don't come to grasp with these concepts, if we don't come face to face with this factor of eternal judgment, that we can't move on to a higher spiritual level. We can't progress spiritually because this is the baby work. Right. These are the basic principles. So that tells us that this is extremely important. Right. So I know that God is going to make decisions about my life. So what exactly do we use this God lie for? Only God can judge me. Well, most of the time we use this this statement. Only God can judge me for what? To avoid accountability, to say, I don't want you to say anything to me. I just want to continue to live how I want to live. Right. There's, there's some things that I value more than what this Bible is telling me, and I don't want to let it go. And it doesn't feel good when you have something to say to me about this, right? And there, here we come to all Christians do is judge, you know, et cetera, and et cetera. Now, are there people who don't operate in love and in truth? Absolutely, there are. But are there people that do operate in love and in truth? For sure. But the truth is, we don't want to be held accountable, right? There's a lot of times there's some things that I don't want to let go so I don't want to be held accountable, right? So there's, when I'm thinking about this statement, there was one scripture that came to mind that we use synonymously that we connect with the only God can judge me statement. I want to read it real quick. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 2. And it says, do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye? But don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Do not judge so that you won't be judged for you will be judged by the same standard. Right. This is that scripture that we hurry up and Google right quick for argument's sake or we're losing an argument and we don't want we don't want anybody to say anything to us. Or we bring up things that somebody did in the past to justify what we're doing in the current, right? And so what I think it is, we Google this scripture up and we don't read anything before or after. And we don't understand the context that Jesus is speaking in, right? So I think most of us, thank you, man. <laughs> so I think most of us. So I think most of us are familiar with the traditional religion of the Pharisees, right? What is traditional? They're going through the motions. But I think a lot of times we don't look beyond that to the everyday people of Israel, right? The religious leaders, these are the people that they looked up to. These are the people that they learned from. So just think Jesus is teaching these crowds, right? There's crowds of people from Israel. There's Jews. And he knows these things. And these are the religious leaders, the Pharisees that they looked up to. So what they learn? They learn that performing these religious duties gained them approval, right? Approval from their religious leaders, approval from the community, and they belittled anybody who thought anything different. So this scripture we pull out to justify ourselves, that's not the context that Jesus was using it in, right? He's, he's talking to these people who were coming from a position of condemnation. They were uh, belittling other people, acting as if they were God, and probably most importantly, they were coming from a position of hypocrisy, 
right? They had the outward appearance, but they didn't care about the heart. What does the Bible say? They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And this is, this is what they care about. And a lot of times, this is, this is what we've become, basically modern-day Pharisees. And so we don't read it in the context. And I know growing up, so I grew up, I grew up in a Christian home, right? So I was at all the tent revivals. I was at church every Sunday, you know, all these things. Plus, I was a nerd, so I liked to read. So I was really familiar with the Bible, and not to boast at all, but I would say growing up, I was really sincere in the word. But as I got to high school, I became traditional. On paper, everyone would have said, Shavaz, he's a Christian. On the outside, it looked like I was. And drinking, partying, smoking, that kind of scene, it was never hard for me. I never got into it. But I learned that, if anything, I was in a more dangerous position than those all the way out there because I felt like I was doing something. I felt safe. I got caught up in this religious practice. So we know that God is going to judge. God is going to make decisions about our life. And the Bible tells us how he's going to use judgment. Well, how am I supposed to use judgment? I want to read two scriptures. The first one, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. And it says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? Second scripture. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. And it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burden. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. So we know that this is how God uses judgment. So how am I supposed to use it? Well, first, I should be judging myself. I should be examining and analyzing my own life. The scripture says what? How did, don't you not know that you were in Jesus? Well, unless you failed the test, right? So we should be judging our own lives. And second, we should be holding our brothers accountable with a gentle spirit, not to bring any glory to myself, right? Because there, there lies your prize right there, the prize before men, right? With a gentle spirit. And the scripture goes on to say again, to examine yourself. Growing up, my parents used to say, you don't want God to judge you. And I'm like, come on, mom. You know, she said a lot of spiritual spiritual stuff. So it really didn't click in until years later. And I'm thinking, you don't want God to judge you. What does that really mean? And it's so true. We don't want God to judge us. Why? Because who we are is based off trauma. It's based off personal experience, the way our parents raised us, the community that we lived in, the amount of money that we have, right? So if God is judging us, we're already condemned. We are already found guilty. But if God is judging the Jesus that is inside of us, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now I can be seen as holy. Right now, I can be made perfect in the midst of my weakness. So, from a distance, everybody loves Jesus. Why? Because culture and society tells us that Jesus can be whoever we want him to be. So, I don't want this Jesus, not him, not him, not him, but I pick this Jesus. What Jesus? The one that fits my agenda and allows me to live the way that I want to live and continue to do the things that I want to do. 
right? But when I get into the word and I start studying, right, and I come face to face with Jesus, now I have to acknowledge who he is. Now the word and the scriptures start becoming revealed to me. And yes, I have to acknowledge that he's grace and he's truth and forgiveness. Absolutely. But I also have to acknowledge that I can't live the way that I want to live, that I can't do the things that I want to do, that I may have to make some sacrifice the way that Jesus made sacrifice. I might lose some friends, right? I may have to do some things that they don't really make sense. And I'm a planner, so I like it to make sense. I may have to do some things that really don't make sense, right? But I know even though I have to do these things, Jesus did it first, first off. And second off, if I continue to persevere, I'll receive the crown of life. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, he saved my life, right? But, but that brings us to the most important question, the one that we don't really talk about that much. Well, how, do, how exactly do I know that I am saved? So I'm going to read Romans chapter 10, verse 9, right? Because I know I've been blessed with the opportunity to lead FCA for Burt Burnett. So I'm allowed to, you know, talk to the students about Jesus, and I know if I go ask those students, all right, if I brought the whole school into the auditorium and I said, raise your hand if you believe in God, majority of them are going to raise their hand. And if I go to Walmart, if I go to the mall, if I go to the club and I say, everybody stop, raise your hand in here if you believe in God, majority of people are going to raise their hand. But something's not adding up because I know the Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life and few will find it. So either we as people are lying or the Bible's lying, one of the two. So let's, let's go to what the scripture says. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with their heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. So if you confess with your mouth, right, this is our verbal proclamation, that Jesus is Lord and, it doesn't say or, if you confess or, it says and, so we have to do both, right? So if we... We confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved? No. If we believe in our what? In our hearts. Right? A lot of times we, we omit that part. So I'm talking about this same scripture to my students in FCA. And I teach them God is intentional in his word. He's, he, and notice right there he mentions the heart twice, back-to-back sentences. So I'm asking the students. They're kids, but they get it. And I'm asking them, why do you guys think? that God said, believe in your heart, right? So they start naming components. Um, oh, it's the heart, so I think love, I think trust, I think communication, exactly. So what are they naming? All the components of relationship, of relationship. So I went and I looked up the definition of believe, and it says, to accept something as true, to feel sure of. The definition of believe is to accept something as true, to feel sure of. So God could have just said and believe, right, that God raised him from the dead. So if we, if we just accept it as true and we feel sure of, we just believe that God exists, this is not what he's saying right here. All those people, when I go to the mall, to the club, to the Walmart, they, they believe that God exists, right? They believe that he's real, or as the definition of believe, they accept him as true. But, but Jesus is intentional. He goes on farther than that. A lot of the times we just skip over that. Oh, I believe that. I believe in Jesus, what he did. And we stop right there, right? But he says, and you believe in your heart. The students, they knew the heart has something to do with relationship. The heart is talked about what, over a thousand times in the Bible. That tells us about its extreme importance all along the lines of what? That our heart, not our physical heart, 
the beating heart, but our spiritual heart. It's the core of our being. What is it? It embodies our desires and our emotion, which lead to what? How we think, which leads to what? How we live. This is why God is saying this. God is saying, yes, proclaim it, you're verbal, and believe to the core of your being, not believe that he exists. So what it, break it down. What am I saying? I'm saying that true belief has a reflection of action. Amen. True belief is followed by action. For example, let's say I had $5 in my pocket. I don't because I'm a teacher. Okay. But let's say I had $5 in my pocket, right? And I said, hey, man, I want to give you this $5. You don't know me. You didn't do anything to deserve it. Is this $5 magically going to appear in this pocket? No, it's not magically going to appear in his pocket. First thing he has to do what? Truly believe that I'm actually going to give him this five. He doesn't know me. He didn't do anything to deserve it. But because he truly believed that I'm going to give him this, what happened? As a result of his belief, he acted and he received it. Same thing in the spirit, right? So what is, what is this action used for? It's used to analyze and to test myself and examine my own life. Now, I want to be careful because a lot of times when people hear the word action, they just associate that with spiritual works and serving. That's not what I'm limiting it to. I'm talking, yes, spiritual works, serving, but also how do you love people? How do you respond to trials and tribulations? How do you respond to people? Are you active in your worship? Is God actively on your mind throughout the day? Are you striving to have a relationship? Are you trying to walk in obedience? Those are all the things I'm talking about, not just spiritual work. Okay, these are the action that follows our true belief, right? So we have this belief, excuse me, heart-based belief, not just belief. We have this heart-based belief and we have behavior. Okay. I want to be real clear and real careful. This behavior is not at the top. Okay. That's what I was doing when I was in high school. That's that traditional. I'm only doing these words. Okay. Behavior is what follows our heart-based belief. Our heart-based belief is our why. It's decides where we will spend eternity. There's only two locations, right? This heart-based belief. And what follows that, right, is our behavior. It determines how we will spend an eternity. God will, has rewards for us and things like that. We're not talking about that today, okay? But this behavior is what follows our heart-based belief. So what am I saying? I'm saying if I'm, if I'm proclaiming, right, that I have this heart-based belief that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and he is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he says he's going to do, but I live like he doesn't exist, well, maybe I really don't believe in my heart, right? If you were here last month, Pastor John was preaching on the book of Corinthians, and Paul said, now that you are in Christ, you will put away these things. Well, what if I don't put away those things? What does that mean, right? Now that you're in Christ, there's a contrast. He talks about how now that we're in Christ, we are a new creation, so if I'm a new creation, but I'm still walking in the old things and I'm doing everything that I used to do, am I really a new creation? Do I really have this heart-based belief about who Jesus is, right? Can I really have this heart-based belief about who Jesus is and live like he's not? Okay, it doesn't make sense, right? And so if I really don't have this heart-based belief, am I really saved? That's the ultimate question, right? So what can we use this action for? We use it to analyze and we use it to examine ourselves. The first, one of the first scriptures we read said what? Test yourself to see if you are in the faith, right? How do you know that you were in Christ? Unless that you failed a test. Um, one of my favorite scriptures, Jesus said, my father works without ceasing and I work. And I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is the supreme creator of the universe. 
and he's putting in work, even to glorify himself? No, to point to something greater. So how much more should we? Now, I read down three misconceptions that we associate with this work that we're supposed to put in. Okay, and I'm almost done. I'm not long-winded, I promise. So the first one is my work. I want to read a scripture right quick. In the same way, excuse me, Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, not our good, but his definition of good, good works, and give glory to your Father in heaven. Hey, a lot of times, one of, one of the major components of the Pharisees, a lot of the times, right, we think this is my work. We think this is about me. We're praying to God, well, God, I did this for you. No, that's not what it's about. It's about bringing glory to his name, right? The Pharisees, they didn't grasp this. The second point, okay, we have fake work. I know all of us have had those teammates who the coach is looking, they're on bench press. Ah, he turns around. I'm a coach, so this happens every single day. I, I know, I know I'm a girl's coach too. I'm, I'm look, I'm no, she's not working. As soon as I turn back around, ah, whew, ah, look at somebody else, right? This is that fake work. The thing about God is he knows our heart, right? He knows our heart. And whenever I say a lot of the times we act like modern day Pharisees, this is why, because we associate it with ourselves and then we're doing fake work. It might even look to the outside ah, that we're doing what we should be doing, but we're not. Right. Even there's a scripture, you know, and Jesus is saying a lot of people are going to come to me and say, Father, I prophesied in your name. I wore your Jesus T-shirt. I prayed. I did this. And he's going to say, depart from me because I don't know you. Right. Well, that doesn't make sense because you're doing all these things, but he doesn't know you. Well, because you're putting the behavior over the heart based belief. That's not how it works. Right. So there's a fine line between both. And the last thing I put was purposeful work. So sports analogies, they help me out a lot just because I just love sports. So when I put purposeful work, this is what I picture in my mind. I picture a point guard, right, in the gym. He's working hard, really hard. He's working out, not the way the kids do now. There's some girls over there, and I want to be cool, so I'm just not really practicing. No, he's really in there. He's working hard, but he's working on his post moves, okay? And he's, working, he's truly working hard, and he's, and he's practicing skills, but if he's a point guard and he's practicing post move, are those skills going to translate to game? No. Is he getting better? Technically, yeah. Is it better than nothing? Technically, yeah. But will he ever be able to fully maximize his potential? No. Same thing in the spirit. There's a lot of us who are serving. We do this. We do that. We do a whole lot of stuff. But we never ask God what he wanted us to do. So is it better than nothing? Absolutely. Absolutely. But... We will never be able to maximize our full spiritual potential because we're not trying to walk in obedience. We're not trying to do what God wants us to do. Can we still do good things? Yes. But if we want to maximize our full potential, then we have to walk in obedience. One of those actions, right, that are a result of our heart-based belief. Um, I tell this story. um, Whenever I was a kid, I don't remember how old. So I'm at my grandma's. I have an earache. I'm half Mexican, if you can't tell. So I have a Mexican grandma, and she had this Mexican trick. Like, she puts the newspaper in your ear, catches it on fire to try to get rid of your earache. I'm not sure if that's a Mexican trick or not, but she convinced me that it was. Well, okay, make a long story short, a cotton swab got stu- was stuck in my ear for years. So I couldn't hear well. All right, so I go to the nurse's office at school, 
and we're having to take a hearing test. I don't know if they do that anymore, but when I was a kid, we did. So I'm in the nurse's office, and I'm sitting down, and I'm like, dang it, no. Okay, and there's other students in there. That should be a, um, a violation of privacy, but there's other students in there, so I'm like, dang it, right? And so you put the headphones on, and she, well, I'm going to press the button. When you hear the sound, raise your hand. So I sit down, I put the headphones on. I know I can't hear, so I just kind of time it. I wait about five seconds, three seconds, two seconds, right? I'm raising my hand just when I think she would press the button. And she says, um, Mr. Jackson, I haven't even started it yet. <laughs> and so that was embarrassing, and the kids were laughing. But it's funny, but a lot of times that's the same thing we do in the spirit. We try to anticipate what God is doing. Oh, God, I think I hear you. I think this is what you want me to do. And now it is difficult. It's, it's, it's hard for me. I don't know about you guys, but it's hard. I'm trying to figure out, God, I want to do what you want to do. I'm not sure, right? But there's sometimes, I'm not talking about those times, but there's sometimes where we know he didn't tell us to move, right? And we just go ahead and do it anyway. We try to anticipate him. Oh, I think this is, this, this will be good. This is, I think this is what he wants me to do, okay? So to close, James chapter 2, verse 12, to summarize everything. Speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. Speak and act as though God is going to make decisions about your life based on the law of freedom, right? And now, I'm not trying to say that we're perfect, but there's a difference between us messing up and us just doing what we want to do. That's not, that's not the same thing. Now, do we all have to kneel before the cross? Yeah, Jesus says, come as you are. It doesn't matter how deep in sin you are, right? You kneel before him. But there comes a time and point where you have to take up that same cross and follow, right? This is what the word of God says. So I just encourage you guys, James 2.12, just strive. Same thing I have to do every day. Speak this week, last two weeks. Sheesh, man. The enemy knew. The enemy knew, right? But speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law of freedom. Okay, if you bow your heads, I just want to go ahead and pray this out. King Jesus, I thank you for this day, Lord God. I thank you for all your many blessings. I just ask that you help us to strive after a relationship, God. We know that we don't read the Bible, pray, and do these things in order to gain salvation. We do it because we love you and we're thankful for what you did for us. I just ask that you just touch our hearts and just write your word on the tablets of our heart. Help us not to just be hearers of the word, but help us to be doers. Help us not to be modern-day Pharisees, Lord God, but to just really strive for this relationship with you and we know everything else will just line up. Help us to walk in obedience when we feel like we can't hear you, God. Help us to be patient and wait, and I ask that you speak to us, God. If there's anyone in here who needs help, God, who maybe they were like me and they were traditional, or maybe they just thought, hey, I can just believe in God and that's good enough. I'd ask that you elevate our faith, God. Help us to elevate past that elementary teaching. And I just love you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. We want to thank you so much for joining us for our service today. We hope that you've enjoyed it. Before we let you go today, I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. And over 2,000 years ago, God the Father gave his son Jesus Christ to die upon a cross for you. That through his death, you would have eternal life. And through the shedding of his blood, you would have forgiveness of all your sins of past, present, and even future. So if you're watching right now, and you're right now living in a life of shame, sadness, and sin, I want to introduce you to my Savior. All you have to do today to be saved is first admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and wonderful love. 
believe that he is the son of the living God, died upon a cross for you, rose on the third day, and lives forevermore at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. And with your mouth, confess the Lord of your life, and you shall be saved. See, if you're watching right now, and as I'm saying these words, it's touching something in your heart, and you say, today, I want to give my heart life to Christ, then I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me my sins and all of my ways. I ask you to come into my heart and into my life. I repent of my ways, and I ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever. Amen. If you just said that prayer with me, I want you to know that you are a child of God. Your sins have been washed away. You're a new creation, the Bible says. And eternity with Christ is your reward. Do us a favor. If you gave your heart and life to Christ today, please let us know in the comments or reach out to the church. And we would like to tell you your next steps in following Christ Jesus. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you guys for joining us here at Compassion Church Online. If God has done anything amazing in your life, a story that you want to share, make sure that you comment below and let us know. We hope that you guys have a great week and we'll see you here next weekend. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.